Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's what we we're going to read in your hearing tonight. We'll go back to verse 8. The first, first sentence of verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? A lot of times preachers will read the scripture and they'll preach on tithing. And I believe the Bible teaches that, but that's not the way the Lord's leading me tonight. I hope that he'll just help me to preach from his word and give me exactly the words he'd have me to say. You can ask these men. I'm just helpless standing right here until the Lord comes by. I can't do a thing without him. And so Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Will a man... Rob God. And it goes on. says, yet ye have robbed me. And so if the Lord will help us for a few minutes, I want to look at a fellow that robbed God. It may not be spelled out specifically, word for word in the Bible, but that's exactly what he did. This fellow walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw Jesus do miracles that no other man could do. We even have evidence in the Bible that the folks that witnessed those miracles said no man could do the miracles. Nicodemus said, didn't he? He said, no man could do the miracles that thou doest except the Lord send him. This man saw all of those. He saw the eyes of the blind open. He saw the lame made to walk. He saw the halt healed. He saw the dead raised. And yet, when it came his time, he robbed God. He didn't pull a gun on him. He didn't have a knife on him. But he robbed him with a kiss. Now friends, I'm here to tell you today the Lord deserves all that we can give. As I mentioned, there are preachers that will preach this and say we need to give 10%. We need to give Him all. The Bible says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we examine our lives, I know there's times I've fallen well short of that. And I, I would imagine if you'd take, take a good look at your life, there are places and times that you fell short of that as well. This man, Judas, was chosen to walk. And I, I believe that it was the will of, Lord, of the Lord that he, that he betray Christ. If Had He not done that, Jesus wouldn't have went to Calvary. Had He not done that, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. Had He not done that, Jesus might not have rose from the grave. So it was necessary for him to do what he did. But I want to take a look at how, what kind of a man that he was, and I want to show you what God could have done 
had Judas been willing. But he robbed God. He took away the opportunity that, that God could have had to have made something out of him. And if we're not careful, we'll rob God as well. Now, the first thing we read about Judas, we read about where that Jesus and his disciples was down with, and you pray for a few minutes. If the Lord comes by, I'd love to preach for him. And if he don't, I'll sit down and hush, John. And so, well, first time we read about him, Jesus and the disciples were down there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Mary took some ointment, some oil that was very, very precious. It was very costly. And she got down on the floor in front of our Savior and she gave the best that she had to Him. She poured that oil on His feet and washed His feet with her tears and with her hair and poured that ointment in another place. It talks about the alabaster box, how it was broken and the oil was poured on Him. Uh, but, but this man, Jesus... Uh, he he watched as Marth, as Mary washed his feet, and there's and even in another of the gospels it talks about how that it was at the Pharisee's house, and, and the Pharisee said if he knew what manner of woman this was that washed his feet, she w- he would have forbade her from touching him. I'm here to tell you today. Aren't you glad you've got the opportunity to touch Jesus? Aren't you glad you've got the opportunity to appear before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and Him grant you the petition? This morning, I read Scripture to you about the unjust judge who regarded not God or man. This is a a King that loves you. This is a King that loves His people. This is a Lord that loves His family. A Father that always provides And so often, when He would give us blessings, we rob Him of that opportunity because we want to do things on our own. We want to solve our own problems. We want to take care of things ourselves and don't leave it in God's hands. All right. And yet we see this man, Judas. He's blessed just to be there. Listen, friends, we've taken for granted the fact that we're in the house of God. Talk to the Christians in North Korea. See how often they get together together openly and worship. See how often they get to hear the gospel. See how often they get to sing praises aloud to the Lord. And here we sit, just another Sunday night. We've let it slip right by. And we rob God. We rob Him of praises. We rob Him of honor. We rob Him of glory. I, I aggravate Johnny often. He comes in and I ask him how that he's doing. But let me tell you how he's doing. He's blessed. Amen. Let me tell you how he's doing. He's saved. Yeah. Let me tell you how he's doing. He's, he's honored to be a child of the King. That's how He's doing. I'm telling you today, we have no room to complain. We have no room to gripe. We have no room to, to look down and have pity parties 
I'm glad I belong to the Savior at every moment that I spend feeling sorry for myself because I've not done what He'd have me to do. Every moment that I complain because things aren't perfect and the ball didn't bounce my way. Every time some sinner sees me with a long face, I've robbed God of honor and glory. I've robbed Him of the opportunity for some lost soul to know what God can do. Will a man rob God? And yet we have. I have, you have, we have. This man Judas said, why couldn't we have sold this? This ointment, this precious ointment is worth a lot of money. We could have taken that, we could have sold that, and we could have fed the poor. Jesus sat and watched as Mary apparently must have had a reputation, apparently must not have always lived a godly life. And He sat and watched as she washed His feet with this ointment and, and with her tears and dried them with her hair. He sat and watched and the Pharisees sat in judgment and did and and talk and under his breath, no doubt, and the thoughts through his mind, how this woman was unfit and unworthy to even bow before the King Jesus and, and cast judgment upon her, yet Jesus spoke not a word. I'm here to tell you today, He loves when you fall before Him and you reach out to touch Him. He loves when He hears your voice crying out from a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's the kind of Savior that Jesus is. And it's an honor to be in His presence. He doesn't say a word as this woman who was being judged by the Pharisee, he doesn't say a word as this woman who maybe the judgment that the Pharisee had was fire and just. Yet he didn't say a word. Why? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me of Tithes and offerings. Let's go on. Why, we could have sold this and fed the poor. But the Scripture says that Judas wasn't interested in feeding the poor. He said this because he carried the bag. He was what you'd call the treasurer, I guess. He was more interested in what they had than what they could give. What does the Bible say about that? It says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. There have been times when the Lord would speak and say give. Times whenever I felt like that I didn't really have it to spare and the Lord would say give. But I found out when I just give what He told me to give, I was blessed in return. The God, the God that we serve knows what, our, what we want and He knows what we need, and He don't always give me what I want. 
Because sometimes if I got what I wanted, it'd be to my own hurt. Israel got a king to their own hurt, didn't he? And sometimes, now preacher, that's Old Testament. Times haven't changed. Human nature is still the same. And sometimes we want things that aren't the best for us. But he knows exactly what we need. And when we cry out to him, he said he would supply our every need. And if you want peace, ask him and he'll give it to you. If you want love, ask him and he'll give it to you. If you want joy, ask him and he'll give it to you. I'm glad he's got exactly, Ronnie, what we need in life. And yet so often we rob him of the opportunity to give it to us. Because we try to seek it for ourselves. We look for things we think will give us that, that very thing instead of letting God take care of it. We rob Him. All right. Judas wasn't interested in what he could give. He didn't want to take that money and give it to somebody. He wanted to keep it because he was a thief. That's not Mike talking. That's the Bible. The Bible called him a thief. And if the Bible called him a thief, it's right no matter what we think. All right. Why was he a thief? Because he robbed God. That's why. All right. Let's go on. You know Judas' story. I'm not preaching to you nothing you've not heard before. Surely won't be much longer. You know what Judas did? He went and made an agreement with the religious crowd, didn't he? He told Cathias, the high priest, made an agreement that for 30 pieces of silver, at one time I knew what the value of that was, it's escaped me, but for 30 pieces of silver that he would deliver unto them this man Jesus. Preacher, if that had been me, you've robbed him as well. You've sold him out for far less than I have too. We have sold him out because we didn't feel good. We've sold him out because it was something in the flesh that appealed to us more than serving the Lord. We've sold him out because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Let me tell you something. We've robbed God. Whenever you don't do the will of the Lord, you're robbing Him. You're robbing Him with the opportunity for someone to receive salvation. Let me tell you something. We need to work to please the Lord, and that needs to be the number one priority. We need to ask the Lord for everything that we do and make sure we're in the center of His will, because if we're not in the center of His will, we're out of it. All right. Will a man rob God? He coveted with the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver to sell out our Savior. We read where they were in the upper room, where they were performing the communion. And Jesus said, The one that dips the sop with me is the one that will betray me. And they loved the Lord. The thought of betraying their Savior bothered them. So they begin to approach him and say, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it me that would do that, that would betray you? And of course, Judas wanted to fit in. He wanted to follow along. He said, Lord, is it I? And Jesus said, Thou sayest. He already knew. 
Amen. Well, preacher, it's just a little thought. It's just a little, just a little thing that I've got between me and the Lord. Let me tell you about that. He knows the thoughts and intents of your hearts. Yeah. And did you know you could think of sin? What are you talking about, preacher? Well, let's talk about adultery for just a little while. The Bible says when a man looketh upon a woman, he's already committed adultery in his heart. That tells me he don't have to touch her. He don't have to speak to her. He don't have to look on her. Just to look at her is enough for sin. Friend, we rob God. We rob Him of the opportunity to use us to be a light and a witness for Him. Remember the rainbow, the covenant? It's not about gaze. It's a promise that God put in the cloud. That He would never destroy the earth by rain again. But it's all different sorts of colors. I used to know, I believe it's Roy G. Biv or something of that nature. And you can name the colors off according to the way and the reason science tells us that that rainbow appears in the sky is that the sunlight is reflected on the clouds and depending on how the light is bent, the, the degree of which the light bends determines the color of the rainbow that you see. That's exactly how we are. Did you know that? It depends on how clear our lives are between us and the Lord as to how much God you see in us. If we have a whole lot of sin, you see very little God. I'm telling you today, a lot of times my light don't shine very brightly. It's dark. It might be violet. It might be blue. It might be purple. But if I get where I need to be, you might see some red. You might see some yellow. You might see some orange. And if we get exactly where we're preacher, that's just not possible. You better read the book. You better study on Moses. He had to put a shade over his face because he was so bright when he came down from Mount Sinai that the Israelites couldn't stand to look him in the face. That could be you and I. And we could be doing exactly what God would have us to do instead of robbing him of his honor and the glory that he deserves. All right. Will a man rob God? You can do that. You can look it up. You've got the internet. Used to, we'd have to take books and search and do things like that. You've got information at your fingertips. Just takes you a few seconds. I don't know the value of 30 pieces of silver in that day and age. I'd imagine that it was quite a bit. I'd imagine that. Judas thought I'll never have to work again. I've got this. It'll be worth it. How about what you sold him out for? How about what, you, what you've taken instead of taking the Lord? Was it worth it? I tell you what, it costs you more than what you'll ever think it will. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. <coughs> Will a man rob God? Have you robbed him? Let's take a look at Judas. He robbed God. 
Marty talked about the, the disciples today, about their lives, about how every one of them was martyred almost. But what happened between the time they walked with Jesus and their life's bread? A lot of them went on to preach the gospel, didn't they? A lot of them saw thousands saved. They established churches. And if not for those men, many folks would have never heard the name of Jesus. But they went on to work and lift up the name of the Lord and gave the Lord His honor and the glory that He was due. Judas could have been one of those men, but he robbed God. He robbed God of the opportunity to create something special in his life. Fred, I'm here to tell you today, there's more to salvation than just escaping hell. I believe once you're saved, God gives everybody a job. He gives you a task. He gives you a duty to carry out for Him that can get honor and glory out of your life. For with the heart, man, believing unto righteousness, that takes care of the salvation part. And with the mouth, now here's the work part, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Have you told somebody how good God's been to you? Have you told about the blessings that He's placed in your life, the children that He's placed in your life, the loved ones and the family that you hold dear that are there for you, your church, and how wonderful that it is, a Savior that saved your soul for hell. Have you give God His honor and His glory, or have you robbed Him? The preacher don't talk about what I've not done if a man knoweth to do good. Now this is King James Version Bible just like John 3.16. If we're going to believe it, let's take it all. When a man knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. I've told this before. I wasn't much older than Ethan and Tavian. Just graduated high school, about 17. And I had a friend call me to come help him with something at his house. We did all kinds of things that day. What I didn't do was tell him about Jesus. I robbed God of an opportunity. Might have been if I'd have done what I was supposed to have done, if I'd have told him about how good Jesus was and what he could do for him. It might have been that the boy could have got saved because he never attended church faithfully. He went two or three times in his life. His obituary, as a matter of fact, said he was of the Baptist faith. I'm sorry, friend. Being a Baptist won't get you into heaven. Amen. You have to be born again. The boy was good to me. They opened up their refrigerator to me, gave me whatever I wanted. We talked, we laughed, we joked, we cut up. And then I went home and I never shared Jesus with him. And about three months later, he drove a car off a cliff in Kentucky drunk. Killed instantly. Never knew anything else. I robbed God. I should have told him who Jesus was. Was I a preacher at that time? No, I wasn't. I didn't hold an office in the church or anything like that. 
I was just a church member. But I robbed God. I should have told the boy about Jesus and how good that he was and what he could do. Our lives need me. Here we are. I don't know how many people are here tonight. Let's say 50. Is that a good fire number? 54. 40. We'll say 40. How many people does this building hold? What's the capacity? Could we say 300 easily? You want to know why there's an empty seat near you? Because we've robbed God. We cannot blame empty pews on church members that are not here. We cannot blame empty pews on sinners that have never darkened the door. We cannot blame empty pews because folks don't take the time to see what's available at the house of God. If we want to blame anybody about the ill preacher, you better not preach that. If we want to blame anybody about the it preacher, I'm faithful, I'm there ever service, don't you go there. If we want to blame anybody about the empty pews and the seats that are beside you where no one is sitting, the first person we need to look at is you and me because we have robbed God. We have failed to tell the world how great God is. We have failed to testify of His goodness and mercy. Let's go back to the Bible for just a second. And I believe the Scripture said, the goodness of God leadeth me into repentance. If we tell about God's goodness, if we tell about how special this place is, about the spirit that exists down here, and we let them know that God is good, and what a, what a blessing that He's placed in your life just to be down at the house of God, they'll come and see what's going on. They'll get curious enough to see why you've always got a smile on your face. They'll wonder why you've always got peace in your heart. Instead, they see us with our head down. Instead, they see us grumbling and griping. That's not the fruits of a Christian. The fruits of a Christian are long-suffering, peace and joy and love. I'm here to tell you today, we've got something good. And we need to let the world know. I know it's not a popularity contest, but how often do we talk about everything else going on and we fail to mention Jesus? You want to talk to me about sports? I can do that. You want to talk to me about the weather? I can do that. You want to talk to me about what's on TV? I can do that. But they're not going to talk to you about Jesus because they don't know him. So it's up to me and you to bring up the subject. And when we fail to tell people about Jesus, we're robbing him. When you fail to come to the church, you're robbing him. We had a revival. On a Friday night, right? On a Friday night, I, we sung the song, Glory, Glory, Glory. And every time we get to Friday, 
It tickles me today if one day I might ever do it. I thought while they, sung, while they stood on Friday, our stood Israel and Georgie and Miss Faye. I thought what a pretty picture it'd be for Israel to be standing right between them. I'm holding her hands up. What a service that was. Amen. Something wonderful happened at church, didn't it? And if you weren't here, you robbed God. You missed a blessing He intended to give you. If you weren't here, you robbed God of an opportunity to fill your cup up and let it flow over. If you weren't here, you might have robbed God of an opportunity to save your soul. Fred, I know things arise. I know things happen that we can't help. But I know this. It's never God's intentions for the service to be dry. Amen? Right. It is never God's intention for us to have a service and not have any spirit. That's not our God. And if we have a service and we don't have any spirit, have we really had church? Friend, if we're not real careful, we rob God. Judas, what are you going to do? The preacher, I wished you wouldn't compare me to him. He was human. Just like we are. We've got that same nature in us. Here he came with the soldiers, with the swords and the staves. Did I tell you Satan don't have horns and a pitchfork. That was Satan right there. Yes. That was him. I've seen folks stand up. It was in a revival one time, just went to visit. If I called the church off, you'd know it. <clears throat> the church was struggling, trying their best to get to revival. Do you know you've got to work your way toward the revival? <laughs> trying their best to get to revival. Preacher called everybody up on the altar. Big crowd there. And everybody on the altar was about as close as from Marty to John. When this gentleman, who was supposed to be a preacher, began to talk, several t good testimonies, and this gentleman began to talk, and he began to tell about a dream that he had had, where everybody in the church was wrong, and he was the only one right, and he talked on and on and on and on for about 15 minutes. And a, and a group of people that was all over the altar, standing about two to three feet apart. By the time the man got done speaking, he had a circle, and the, and the diameter of the circle would have been about ten foot. Nobody even close to him. That's not God. You know what the fella did? He robbed God 
of the opportunity to save somebody in that service. Now, I appreciate the preacher, the pastor that was there. When the man got done, he didn't have a comment. He didn't have a snide remark. He didn't tell the man to hush. He said, let's pray. And they fell down on their knees and they prayed. And when he got up, he didn't ask anybody for a testimony. He didn't ask anybody for a song. He opened his Bible up and read the Scripture about trying the Spirit. And God helped him to preach right down through the King James Version Bible. I'm here to tell you today, we need to be very careful about the words that come out of our mouth, about the judgment that we cast, and things of that nature. I had somebody tell me one time I went, and there was a foul spirit there, and my thoughts were, did you bring it? I'm here to tell you today we robbed God. If I come through that door angry, God can't use me. If I come through that door with malice or, or, or a grudge on my heart and I can't stand somebody, you think God's going to use me to be a help and a blessing to somebody? I've robbed Him of an opportunity to give me a blessing and to be a blessing to somebody else. When we carry those things around, preacher, I wish you'd hush. I'm going to. When we carry those things around, we're going against God's Word. Does the Bible not say to not let the sun go down on your wrath? It also says, if you come to the altar and remember that you have an ought against your brethren, lay down your gift, Go and be reconciled with your brethren and then come back and pick up your gift. If I've got something against somebody, I should not preach another message until I fixed it. If I've got something against somebody, I should not sing another song until I fixed it. And then when I have, you know why we can't do that? One of the hardest things for us as humans to do is to go and look somebody in the eye and say, I'm sorry. That's the truth. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Have you done it? Because <laughs> it's easier said than done. To admit that you were wrong, and I've been there, and you have too if you'd admit it. To admit that you were wrong and to say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to do you that way. Would you please forgive me? That's one of the hardest things. Even husbands and wives ain't it. One of the hardest things. We've been married for 30 plus years. And I believe Tabby's told me she was sorry about twice. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is to humble your heart and say, I'm sorry. But until you do, things can't ever really be right, can they? Married folks, we'll fuss and argue like cats and dogs that come to church expect God to bless us. You can't do that. You've robbed God. You've robbed Him of an opportunity to bless you and your mate. 
And when you get right where you need to be, it might take a trip to the altar to get there. It might take a trip out to the woodshed or down at the barn on your knees and say, God, help me and forgive me. And then when you get right with God, your mate, your adversary, whoever it is that you had a problem with, will look a lot better. The Bible says, cast the boat out of your own eye first. Now, that's not preaching about the pearly gates, but it's King James Version Bible, and God's helping you for a few minutes. Will a man rob God? We need to be very careful. We need to do things because God wants us to. If I'm doing it because I want to, I'm robbing God, I'm getting in the way. Did you know that? Did you know you can stand in the way of sinners? Why, there were people down there when that man was... Remember whenever the one born of four came down sick of the palsy? They couldn't get through the door, could they? Why? Because folks were standing in the way. It's a wonderful story about how their faith made him whole. And there you go for you folks that I preached to this morning that had the sinner that's cried, that's begged and pleaded. That man's friend's faith made him whole. But wouldn't you hate to be one of the ones standing in the way? Wouldn't you hate to be one of the men or the women on that day that were standing in the doorway where they could not get a man through that was helpless That's just a Bible story, preacher. It happens every day when we bring our anger and our guilt in and we're too proud to say, forgive me, I'm sorry. We're robbing God of an opportunity for salvation for some lost soul. We're robbing God of an opportunity for the church to be blessed. We're robbing God of an opportunity for somebody to escape hell because we're standing in God's way. That's not necessary, preacher. If it wasn't, God wouldn't have sinned. We just came out of revival, preacher. We need to stay revived. We've got Bible school in a week. And we're no different than any other church. You got hills, you got valleys, you got hills, you got valleys. John 14, verse 1, word 1. Let, we get down here because we let ourselves. And when we let ourselves get down here in the valley, we rob God of an opportunity for a blessing. Well, you can't stay on the mountaintop all the time yet. It takes some climbing. If you're going to be up there, you got to, you may slip and trip and fall down four or five steps. But the mountaintop's just right up there. I'd rather fall a few steps than to fall a whole lot. Fall all the way down to the bottom of the mountain, wouldn't you? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse. You know what the curse is? This flesh. 
you're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So here's what to do, folks, if we've robbed God. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes, all. We look at the word tithes, let's look at the word before that, all, A-L-L. Our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith. You want to have a good Bible school? Bring all you got to. When you're tired on a Thursday, come on anyway. When you've had to work over on Tuesday, looks like you're going to be late, come on anyway. Whenever on Monday it's pouring the rain and you've worked so hard and you're so tired, come on anyway. Bring it all if you want to have a Bible school that God's going to bless and save in. And prove me now herewith. Wouldn't you like to prove the Lord? i tell you what else I'd like to prove. I'd like to prove Satan wrong, wouldn't you? Amen. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you. Now some of you weren't here the last time we had Bible school. You started coming to Dutch Bottoms and God's blessed us. Amen? Amen. He's blessed us. Some of you were here the last time we had Bible school. I remember distinctly so many sinners on this altar, you had to watch where you stepped. The altar was full. I believe I counted as many as nine that got saved in one service. What a blessing. That was proof. If we put our all into it, God will save. Let's prove what, what God can do. Prove me now here with and see if I won't pour you out a blessing. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. We have one of the biggest altars, spaces, as far as a sanctuary goes, as any church I've ever been in. You count the stage and all that. I'm telling you, in that service, there were sinners all the way around through here. But one person with a hard heart, one person determined to get the glory, one person determined to not humble themselves could have stopped all of that. Did you know that? I've seen God come by and bless. I've yet to see the whole church go from sitting cold to shouting glory. It usually takes one person that's willing to humble themselves that's got the key. And it may not be to give a big long testimony. It may not be to sing a song. It may not be to preach a message it might just be for some little boy or girl to raise up and say, I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. That might be the key to the whole thing. Yeah. And when he knocks, just do what he have you to do. Do what he have you to do.
I'll tell you. I always have a fear of preaching. That's one of the one of the times that it hits me the hardest is to preach Bible school. Because I don't want to say anything that would deceive a child. I don't want to say a single word that would cause someone to think that they're saved and they're not. I want them to get the real thing. And I will say this. A lot of the boys and girls that we've seen saved at Bible school, I've had the privilege to baptize. They've come on to church. Some of them have parents that won't bring them. But at least they got to hear the gospel and they got salvation. Now here we are on a Sunday night. It's just us. You may be a member, you may be not, but I'm counting you as Dutch bottoms. Do you want to see somebody saved? Okay, let's try that again. You search your heart. Don't lie to me. Do you want to see somebody saved? Amen. Let's give it all to God. You want to see a Bible school that people can talk about and say, that was the one I got saved in? Let's not rob God. Let's give Him everything we've got. Let's do all we can to see our sinners saved. Will a man rob God? Judas did, preacher. I didn't finish up about Judas, did I? Let me tell you what he did with that, with them silver coins, them 30 silver coins. When he saw what they were going to do to the Savior, he took them back and he tried to give them back to them. And they wouldn't take them. He threw them down. And he went out with regret this is what happens when you rob God. He went out with regret and heartache so much so that he took his own life and he hanged himself. And you know what happened to the price of blood? The 30 pieces of silver? They wouldn't even take them back. They wouldn't pick them up. They took those and they bought a field, the fuller's field, to bury strangers in. It was the price of blood. When you rob God, whatever you take in His place will never be worth the value you think it has. Will a man rob God? I, I'm old-fashioned, I know. I have to be here on Sunday night. That's not because I'm your pastor. I have to go to church on Wednesday night. That's not because I'm your pastor. I get hungry. I have to feed this inner man. I have to feed this Christian. And if I'm going to be the Christian that I need to be, I need to be where I can get fed. Because if I'm not fed, I get weak. And I rob God of opportunities that He can use me. Will it be you?
Will you rob God? Preacher, it won't be me, but for the grace of God, folks. You could put your your set your feet down in any man's shoes. Will a man rob God? <laughs>